In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the club. Gaspacho police. Oh my God. What a stupid son of a bitch. He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Sayonara, sucker. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. We, uh, Eastern Standard Time gals, were just commiserating over how late we stayed up last night unpacking uh, the election results. For me, that is that is 1130. That was incredibly late for me to stay up. But But Sammy, it sounds like you had a night for yourself. Yeah, it was... Um I stayed up too late, like with, with the light of my phone. And now I am sitting with an ice pack on my head. Probably the worst migraine I've had in 2022. I'm confident saying that. Um, oh, God. Jesus, let's get I through this COVID. then. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get through it. Rough. Hopefully I can distract myself. You have a, a midterms hangover. I Yeah, I do. And it's not even technically the midterms. But, you know, at least it's for a good thing and not a bad thing. <laughs> Let's just say that. Definitely. Definitely. Once again, we have woken up to a disorienting case of, of good news. Kansans turned the fuck out yesterday to defeat a nasty attempt to change the state constitution to revoke a woman's right to an abortion. 59% of Kansas primary voters said no versus 41% in support. So in summary, not close. This campaign has been huge in Kansas. It really took off, of course, after June 24th when the Supreme Court overturned Roe. The no campaign was called Kansans for Constitutional Freedom. I think that was a really strategic framing. I mean, honestly, if I knew nothing about this and you said that to me, I'd kind of be like, is this a guns thing? But I, I think that was kind of part of their thing. I mean, when when I was talking to them over email and they were giving me talking points, they really didn't want to make this partisan. I don't think they were super interested in making it a even strongly Democratic partisan issue. And they were right, because with this outcome, it is clear they won many many of Kansas's conservative voters to their side. This is a state that Trump won by 15 points. So notably, uh, the pro-abortion rights view in this election won by more. Abortion is more popular right now in Kansas than Donald Trump. Registered Republicans far outnumber Democrats in Kansas, but many interviewed yesterday said that they opposed the amendment. It sounds like these really extreme anti-woman bans that like we've been hearing about lately, that everyone's been hearing about forcing 10-year-olds to travel, like 10-year-old rape victims to travel. That's just like not something they want to be associated with. Kansas is also surrounded by states hostile to abortion. So a yes vote to having an amendment that would have restricted abortion would have really compounded a regional catastrophe for abortion rights. I haven't seen any final numbers on turnout, but it was incredibly high for a primary. Kansas also has a Democratic governor who won her primary last night, and uh, she faces an anti-abortion opponent in November. Her veto is really important for that state-led GOP legislature. But reactions to last night. Wow. <laughs> um, well, okay, here's the thing. I think it says it all. If if 
Kansas, one of the most conservative states in the country, votes this strongly against or in favor of the right to an abortion. I don't understand how you could think that this would be popular anywhere. Um, Also, I think it speaks to what happens when actual people get to vote on their own for their opinion on an issue. Um, It speaks to the effective uh, naming of naming and framing of what this is and how it is truly bipartisan. And also there is a very small fraction of just kind of nuts people who are this against abortion. Most people, even very religious ones know that the right to an abortion is, is necessary for healthcare and saving people. And it is in line with their religion. So it's just an incredibly unpopular thing. And um, it seems like uh, overturning Roe might have been a bad idea for them. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to thank Kansans for getting back to their roots. Bleeding Kansas was how the state started a violent set of clashes between pro-slavery and anti-slavery forces. And of course, the anti-slavery group won, and ultimately Kansas was inducted into the Union as an abolitionist state. And this is actually a really big deal because the reason that they had to introduce an amendment to overturn bodily autonomy in the state was because it was instituted mm-hmm. as a an abolitionist sentiment in the Constitution of Kansas to prevent it from being you know, people from basically having their bodies overtaken by, by the state or owned again. And it's really important to, to emphasize that. I mean, I'm a black woman. <laughs> um, I'm not saying that's the thing to emphasize, but like the overlap between the lack of autonomy that defines slavery and the right to your own body and reproductive choices is a very, very big overlap. There's, there's, it's not a flat, a complete circle. White women is not a complete circle, but it is really close. And so it's really, really heartening that Kansas reaffirmed one of its core principles. I think that um, it's kind of frustrating 150, 160 years on that, like a lot of states have lost the sense of what exactly they had been fighting for uh, in that really important schism in our country's history and how often they've been on the right side. It's also worth saying that Brown v. Board of Education started in, uh, I think it was, there was some Kansas uh, uh, districts included there too. So these are important issues, and I think that Kansas, it's it's wonderful to see, but it's also a reminder, like, these states have not always been this way, and they don't have to stay this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really cool to see just kind of like, I feel like this is, we'll talk about in what ways it's not, but in a sense, I, it does feel like proof of concept for there being a path to preserve abortion rights to people who are Republicans being fine with abortion rights at this at this scale. I wonder how much of a role, you know, the history of Dr. George Tiller plays. I think that, you know, they talk to, I guess this isn't a huge state, and Dr. George Tiller, I forgot that it was that recently. He was murdered in 2009. He was one of few people in the area and even the nation who would provide, like, um, you know, 
I guess they're called late term options when you get these diagnoses that are just not that are devastating and painful for everybody involved um, or there was a reason where the woman was going to die. Very few options for people. And he, his clinic was attacked all the time. He was constantly sued for like not consulting the right people when it was like totally fine. He was shot twice, once in his car in both arms, people trying to literally disarm him. And then ultimately someone was successful and shot him in the head at church. And that church, you know, it's a great narrative that that church was a a polling place yesterday. And I saw some interviews with some folks in there who said, you know, they, that memory brought them there. And it was important to them to like honor that legacy of compassion in, in Kansas. And I wonder what, what, if, do you think that had an impact here? I, I do. I think ultimately uh, politics is local. I mean, that's not an original thought. And I think that people are ultimately moved for things that they see in their community and that touch them. And I think that also the need for an abortion for many reasons or for the option to have an abortion touches all people. It does not discriminate. It does not, you know, I think just because you don't maybe like abortion, maybe it's not your fave, (laughs) doesn't mean that you might not really need one. You might not even consider it an abortion. You might just consider it like treatment post a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. You know, so whatever, whatever it is, I think ultimately people come because they're really, you know, because it feels personal. So for some people, Mm -hmm. it might have been that. But then I also think like really effective organizing, people are scared of this minority rule situation that we're in. And, you know, I think you also, you know, the organizing piece, I think, can't be taken out of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this was people pounding the pavement, talking to their neighbors, talking to people that they already knew. So how much, I mean, this is really exciting to me in terms of how this enthusiasm can be channeled in November. How much of this success do you think is replicable in those other fights? How much of this success do you think here was due to the fact that this was a ballot initiative, people voting on an issue and not the election of individuals, you know? People might have partisan identity loyalty around individuals. There are lots of state houses that are up in in the fall and other ballot initiatives where, you know, Michigan, for example, I think they have, you know, their governor's up. I think their house is basically, you know, up and they're probably going to have a ballot initiative. Um, Do you think that ballot initiatives are like kind of the path to re-legalizing abortion in as many states as possible? Or do you think it can also be done legislatively? What lessons here can be applied in November and what are ballot initiatives specific? So, uh, one of the big things is that Kansas already had the provision and was going to overturn yeah. it. This is a huge difference. Like, well, are we going to keep this thing that we've always had? Or are we going to change and become something else? Is a very different uh, kind of like fight and energy. So it really depends on whether or not constitutions or ballot initiatives are talking about, are we going to become something that we haven't been? Or are we going to maintain uh, laws that are already on the books. And like that really has a lot to do with the framing. Um, I think. That, and also in this case, are they taking something away? Right. Yeah, I think there was a combination okay. of things. So it's like, first of all, this has already been affirmed inside the Kansas constitution since it started. Then second, it's also, you know, um, again, it's tied to the anti-slavery beginnings of the state. So it's, this goes way deep. This is part of like who Kansas is. I think that makes it a lot harder for people to argue to change it. 
Um, especially when you're talking about like, you know, they, they branded it correctly, like Kansans for constitutional freedom. This was a reflection of the fact that they had always been this way. And so they were forcing their opponent to the back mm-hmm. foot and to say, no, 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 we should change this and get rid of something that has always been who we are. I think that makes it a little bit more of an uphill fight. Um, not every state has that option. So that's a little bit more difficult. I think that, uh, another thing was, again, the localization is huge. And I think the Democratic Party has been always fighting with Republicans on a national scale and really should stop doing it. It's not helping. It, it has never helped us. Um, and Democrats themselves are super diverse as a party. It would be easier to fight, uh, on the ground localizing each one of these issues to say, like, what do you feel about your community? Is this really what you want to see from the people that you spend time with every day? Do you really want to be the state that forces 10-year-olds to have to try? Like, you know, like, are you thinking about, like, your friend's 13-year-old daughter? Like, it's the worst thing in the world that could happen to her. Would you want your state to be a place where that's, she just has to live with that? Like, Mm-hmm. Do you want to start your business in a state like that? Like Exactly. Yeah. Like, are you going to be able to attract the best talent? Are you going to be... There's uh, so many great questions going on here. So I think that's a big, mm-hmm. big deal. But in the end, I think that this is... Yeah. This should be a shining light for Democrats. This is an opportunity to rethink how we campaign around issues. Because, you know, this would normally... Presidents lose midterms if their party is in power. Normally, their approval ratings have a big effect on, you know, what's available for them to do and what happens down ballot. This is actually an opposite situation. We have a chance to take more space on the basis of Republicans really fucking up. So hopefully there's a lot of leaning into that because this this is an amazing result. Yes, definitely. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. We talked on the show yesterday about a, you know, bipartisan, because it's with Murkowski and Collins, abortion bill that in the Senate that would basically just set protections back to the day before before Roe was overturned. And this obviously is unlikely to have support from senators. But like, how do you have both of Kansas's Republican senators say, I'm going to go against 60 percent of my state? I know you have answers for me, but I know they're going to be creative. But how are they going to do that? So that kind of might be their way out is to vote yes on this bill. And Mm -hmm. one of the issues with this bill is that it doesn't define um, 
the life and health of the mother, which ultimately is like, I think one of the most dangerous things yeah. about this entire situation um, is, is that it's ultimately going to come down to the discretion and like personal fears of any given doctor or any given healthcare facility and, you know, the, the lawyer and what their pretend, you know, what their opinions are. And, you know, it's just so, and it does that after viability, but there are even some questions around like when viability is. So it's still, yeah. and it's, there's a reason it's different from the women's health protection act. Right. And, um, what does that mean? Like, what about the life and health of the baby? Like, what if it's a, if it's a baby who is not going to be able to survive like mm-hmm. post. So, you know, I think there's just so many questions and they are moral ones. And ultimately I think that the audacity of any human being in this world to believe that they should be the moral arbiter of any of these questions makes me just deeply, I find that that's deeply egotistical and just should not be what our policy is based off of. But Ultimately, that's kind of just the human condition. Um, but to but to the point of the legislation, I think this might be sort of they're like, okay, well, you know, like let's codify it. Let's fake codify it. And while ultimately not really protecting it, like in essence, um, and to hopefully sort of like tamper, tamp down on the enthusiasm around the midterms and protect them from losing the house mm-hmm. and Senate is kind of my thought is like, let's give them something to make them feel like they're okay. So that people don't turn out too strongly around the midterms. Cause they think the problem's been solved. I think it's really important for the focus to be exactly again, what Kansas did was you don't have a right to legislate these decisions. These are, these are not yours to do. We have, a fundamental right to own ourselves and our bodies and to make those decisions for ourselves. And anytime Democrats, whether that's at the Senate and the federal level or state level, should be focusing on that autonomy argument, because I think it's a really strong one. I think most people are going to fundamentally agree with it. I think once you get in, you inject partisanship into it, it gets really messy, but it's going to be really hard to argue yeah, you shouldn't be able to make those decisions. And I think that that is just a fundamental core argument that can cut through most of it. Um, and they should reject the notion that you can codify these things. They should say, we shouldn't be interfering and actually arguing for smaller government. I think it'd be hilarious to watch Democrats actually co-opt that argument and put it to use. Um, so from mm-hmm. for for the Senate, I think it's really important to put pressure on Republicans, not merely to deal with the word abortion, but to specifically talk about why they think the government has a fundamental right to interfere in decisions that you need to be able to make personally, rapidly, and ultimately about your life and what you need to do for your own safety and health and the safety and health of the people that you love. And that's just, it's just that simple. And I think Kansas has opened up the possibility of that now. Yeah. I'm very curious to see, to see how those votes go down. Cause I just, it's hard for me to imagine a number of Republican senators voting for what that bill is just with the way our partisan politics have broken down. But for all the reasons you've just talked about, that's all, that's all changing. It's, it's really interesting. 
yeah, I mean, their calculus is completely divorced from, like, you know, their political calculus is completely divorced from their ideological or moral calculus. So, yeah, it is that easy for them to just kind of change (laughs) their minds. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm seeing. That's what I've learned. Like, if you're just like, I hate abortion, it's devastating, it's murder. And the next day you're like, well, I got to keep my job, so I'm going to let murder keep happening. It's like, okay, dude. I mean, you see that with, like, the way anything's getting done now. It's all just, like can you like somehow like out leverage them behind the scenes, which is why when nothing is happening, it's so fucking frustrating because mm-hmm. you're like, why aren't you doing anything? Like we know there are ways just do Just figure it out. Figure it out, dude. Today's episode of American fever dream is brought to you by newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. All right, now let's briefly look at some other primary outcomes yesterday. A big headline is that in Michigan, Congressman Peter Meyer lost his primary. He will not get another term in Congress. So some background, Meyer voted to impeach Trump for his role in the insurrection. There are two other House Republicans who voted to impeach who were up last night. Their races are too close to call, but I think it looks like they're going to win. And Meyer did lose, but much more narrowly than expected. So the fact that these are close seems to be seems to be telling. In Michigan, and in, in Meyer's race specifically, he lost to a Trump-backed challenger, this guy named John Gibbs, who Democrats put about $400,000 behind as well. Last night, Meyer said, I'm proud to have remained true to my principles, even when doing so came at a significant political cost. And then he wrote an essay. I'm not sure if he actually did this after or before, but just popping off about Democrats supporting that opponent. Thoughts on that? This is this kind of ties into my other question about Kansas, um, which I'm, I'm not sure if it really maps onto this exactly. But I wonder if the January 6th hearings are actually mattering um, in, yeah. in just subtle ways you know, in peeling off fringe cult members, like obviously like the center core of the cult is deeper in than ever, but maybe just maybe people are like not into the whole Republican situation right now, like a little bit. So, so you think they won't vote for Gibbs? Yeah, I think that, well, I think that the fact that 
Meyer lost by like less than expected is what ah, I'm saying is, is where it really plays it. Got it. Got it. Got like it. they thought he was going to lose by a lot, but he actually lost by a little bit less. That is mm-hmm. where I'm seeing the question around the January 6th effectiveness. Gotcha. The question comes down to whether or not partisan identification is more important than preserving democracy. Cause the question is whether or not the Meyer voters are going to switch and vote for the Democrat or stay home. Either way, like what, what you want basically is for the Meyer voters to either agree to vote for a Democrat over the Gibbs character right. or to stay home and thus deprive Gibbs of a part of his coalition. Where they would be like, I was going to go vote, but uh, a Democrat yeah. versus this nutty guy, like, I'm not interested. So I'm just going to stay home. You mm-hmm. might think, well, that loses votes for Democrats. But as long as Republicans are disinterested in the voting, you know, that's that's a, right. that's a win. That's a vote that you don't have to compete against. Mm-hmm. That's that's why. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Are there some areas last night where that's not as clear, though? I mean, in Arizona... I mean, I think it's that guy, Rusty Bowers, lost his primary, right? And he's the one that testified. I mean, Liz Cheney is a couple weeks away from probably losing hers. I mean, how does the party, like, live with its – how do, you know, establishment Republicans – like, how do they vote for a party that, like, at the state level is ousting the only people that are on TV living up to – living up to, like, any ethical (laughs) – any ethical aspiration? It's crazy. But it's for for the reasons you just said, like, are they willing to abandon party affiliation? And maybe they ideally, I guess they just maybe they're not going to vote for Democrats, but maybe they'll just maybe I think getting Republicans so discouraged, like a faction of Republicans so discouraged that they're like, you know, I don't even care if a Democrat wins. Like, I I honestly can't bring myself to vote for a Republican. Um, I'm not going to vote for the Democrat, but I'm not going to bring myself to vote for a Republican. It's interesting because I had a family friend who started out as a Republican like over a decade ago. And, you know, he lives in Brooklyn, so he has like no power whatsoever. He wasn't doing anything. He wasn't voting for national Republicans. And then slowly he's like, well, I'm just going to stop voting. Like, he basically was like, I'm going to stop voting. And then slowly started to turn to, I'm an independent. And now it's like, I'm a Democrat. Because he just was like, there's no point in fighting anymore. Like, it was just kind of like, none of these mm-hmm. people are saying things that make any sense to me. And I can't do it. And then eventually he was just like, you know what? I can't live like this, you know, not having any political power. I think that there's there's a section of Republican voters who... If it looks like they're going to lose power, would rather stay home or, you know, vote for a Democrat tentatively than agree to to help these people. But the well, the point must be made, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't just assume DC Triple C that people are going to be like, oh, this guy is gross. Like you have to make the point, like. If you do this, you are a monster. If you agree with this, you're a monster. You can't do the thing because that way people will always just be like, well, I guess it's better than letting a godless Democrat indoctrinate the children with the CRT that will make them trans. And you're like, What are some other things from last night that stuck out to you? 
that felt like they they are telling for what we might see in November or what what Trump's impact still is. Um, Blake Masters winning. I feel like for some reason that guy, his name is going to just keep going. Yes. He um, is going to run against Mark Kelly in Arizona. Um, and he once said that gun violence can be blamed on yeah. black people, frankly. He's like as MAGA as it gets. Um, I'm just going to say I don't like the way he looks. I, I know that that's meaningless. He's, 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 he's yeah. a four-letter He's scary. Okay? We've all, we all understand what Blake Masters is. Like, he is. You can try to, like, dress it up in lots of different ways, but yeah. if you translated what he said into German, it would be banned in Germany. Mm. Let's just be clear about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Wow, that, that could be, like, a... That should be, like, a sticker content warning yeah. you put on things would be banned in Germany. Uh, <laughs> Germans would love that. <laughs> <laughs> they're fine because they're like, yes, please learn from history. <laughs> yeah. Arizona is what the fuck is going? How did this state go blue? And now, I mean, this is obviously all the Republican Party. The The general elections have not happened yet. I, I, I don't understand why Mark Kelly like isn't that isn't a bigger deal. I think with the story with his wife, he has like Democratic nominee potential. Am I crazy? Oh, yeah. No, I know. First of all, I mean, my mom wants to go campaign for him in Arizona. So, like, I actually he's think... He's great. Astronaut? Like, twin? People, yeah, I think people... Like. I, oh, my God. If he's a twin, there's, like, potential for switch outs. Like, I don't know if we want that. <laughs> Just saying. Um, yeah, I'm joking. The senators no, from Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. That would be a funny movie plot. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I think... Yeah, no, I think he... People like him. I think... Maybe because he sort of got like lumped in with the whole cinema of it all. He doesn't, you know, maybe he sort of plays like lower, you know, just lays low he's on purpose. He's definitely no leftist. No, no, he's yeah. not a leftist, which is why I might, maybe he doesn't have, you know, national potential. But regardless, I think he's a very, I don't know, maybe his moment just hasn't come. We'll see. He's quiet. He's yeah. stable. He's a reliable vote. He doesn't bring a lot of attention to himself, which I think actually is the thing that makes him such a great candidate is that if it's going to happen, it's going to be a moment where you go seeking him out. Um, and I think that that's I think that's actually a good thing. Not every senator has to be a star. I hmm. think Mark Kelly mm -hmm. being so solidly who he is is going to put him in a better, much better position versus Blake Masters. But like. It's bad. Like, I think God. a huge chunk of it is that the Arizona, you see that there is more obsession with control from places that realize that they're losing it. And I know that this was my column, but like my column this month was that Republicans are on the losing end of every single political equation. They are. They just have fewer voters supporting unpopular policies that are held together with the intellectual equivalent of chewing gum. It's just not strong and they know it's not strong. And that's why they sabotage things. And that's why they go through so much effort to suppress voters. That is because if a democracy were allowed to flourish, if people were engaged in voting, Mark Kelly would be knocking Blake Masters out 60, 40, 65, 40, you know, like it would be very big, 35. It would be, it would be a huge uh, a huge, huge repudiation. And so I think that's what we really need to invest in and people should be thinking about is like, 
these people do not want politics to function as it should. And that's our job as citizens is to, is to force them to acknowledge that they should be losing and they should be losing for a long, 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 long time. Here's the thing. The parties need to essentially shift. MAGA needs to be eliminated because it's an insane cult of it's a cult. Okay. Uh, that needs to go. I don't know how I make that happen, but then there needs to be like the democratic party essentially should split and it could range. And you know, the two sides would be like kind of the left, the real left. And then anywhere from never Trumpers to Joe Biden, I don't know, you know, that sounds like a pretty reasonable party, frankly. Um, no, but I think that's that's definitely true. But and really, I think you could have quality people in both. You have good starting lineups. I think that's true. I think it's yeah. interesting because when I went to go do the research for my piece, I was like, so how much did Democrats lose after the Civil War? I mean, fundamentally, the Democratic Party, the Southern faction, was responsible politically for inciting the Civil War. We call it North and South, but it is basically Democrats v what was emerging as Republicans. Um, and yeah, out of the, it was crazy to me. I started looking it up and I was like, okay, for 72 years from Lincoln to FDR, there were only two democratic presidents. I just want to be clear about that. Two democratic presidents, the entire span from 1861 to 1933. That's crazy. And that's because Democrats rightly lost the opportunity to govern. They weren't, people just would not support them. They did not have enough of a majority to even get close to arguing for the White House, except on some random occasions, both from New Jersey. I think we've got. Who were they? Okay, New Jersey. Who were they? Uh, Grover Cleveland. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Who were they? Grover Cleveland and Woodrow Wilson, which it kind of sells you. One of them, Woodrow Wilson, being the most people ever. So like, you look at it and it's like, this was not good. They also, this was crazy to me, Republicans maintained unified control over Congress for 46 out of those 72 years. That is We could solve power. climate change if we did that. Democrats Truly. have every right after January 6th to step up and take over the way that it was done after the Civil War. It's just true. Like, no one should be voting for Republicans. The end. And it's okay. We've survived it. The public survived one party rule. It's going to be okay. It kind of makes sense that you would have one party rule if the majority of the people support that party and their policies. Imagine that. Not Imagine that. Not one party, but that one party would the rule. The future all liberals want. For everyone to, for us to have the things most people want. Okay. Yeah. Crazy. We'll wrap it up there. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.